Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today's guest is Darren Schenebarger. In 2018, he had a near-death experience due to having a severe aortic dissection. And today we're going to learn about his experience. Darren, thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you and welcome. Thank you for having me, Jeff. I enjoy it. All right. Well, my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences, so can we start on the day that yours happened, and we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll start on the day and kind of tell you where I was at with my life, okay? Um, because it comes into play with what happens afterwards, okay? So um, it is May 13th, 2018. Um, it happened to be Mother's Day. And um, I worked for a, a Shawnee Mission Ford Motor Company um, as a uh, auto sales consultant. And, um, you know, in that field, it's a lot of stress. You go from hero to zero within 24 hours. <laughs> on the 30th, you can be the hero. And on the first, you're back to zero. So it was about, it was May and it was one of, it was one of my best months I had. It was May 13th. I had 11 cars out and um, I was on a roll. So I was high on the hog and um, I was uh, my um, son's mother. My girlfriend was supposed to be picking me up from my work. And um, for some reason she couldn't make it. And I was like, um, Hey boss, can I borrow a car? So he was like, yeah, you can borrow a car. So I borrowed this Dodge Challenger 2016 at the time, Dodge Challenger um, with SRT8 with the V8 and all that, you know, it was, it was a bad car. So I drove home and um, had to go buy a friend's house, of course, come in this cool car and um, we're wanting to show off. And so, like I said, life's going good. And we, we go, we've had a few drinks. We went to the casino. I walked in, I hit, two jackpots back to back and I'm like right on this is a great time I'm just happy though and so I'm like let's get out of here and I've got money stuffed in my pockets and then we're like da, 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 and ran into an old friend and whatnot and um, I got a few miles away from the casino and at a gas station and um, out of nowhere it felt like someone took a a sword, like a big dagger or something, and went wham and hit me right here in my chest. And I was like, oh, oh, sh-. And, but it didn't feel like a heart attack. So I was like, I, which I don't even know what a heart attack feels like, but it wasn't feeling like that. <laughs> and uh, I was like, something's wrong, something's wrong. And they're like, man, do we need to call 911 or something? I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, and they're like, yeah, call 911. They start yelling, call 911. And I slap the phone out of their hand. I'm like, and I throw the keys to my friend. I was like, get me to the hospital now. <laughs> I told him to drive like Dukes of Hazard, man. I said, Dukes of Hazard me there. <laughs> and we, I mean, we got there. I swear to God, I think we drove like the Dukes Hazard. I mean, it was felt like, <laughs> and we power slid up to the emergency room. Like, and, uh, and I'm just like going, oh, oh. And I can just feel this weird thing going down in me. You know, like I was like, 
I can't really explain what was going on inside me, but my aorta had blown at the very top of my heart and it ripped and it ripped all the way down to my groin. It just, and they don't know how I didn't bleed out. But anyway, so, so when I got there, I opened the door and I went to get out and my legs didn't work anymore. And I smacked my head on the concrete, like, cause I had all my force, like, give me the hospital and bam. And so, um, I remember my friend running around, he's like, I'm going to go get help. I'm going to help. And it felt like there was a big vacuum over the top of me. And every time I tried to speak, I, it was like sucking my air out. And so I was like, I'm, I, I'm di- 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 dying, you know? And he was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And I hear him run off. My friend's dying. My friend's dying. <laughs> which that didn't make it any easier. I'm like, I told you I was dying. And so they, they took pay, they came out in the gurney and they picked me up and wheeled me off. So I'm going to come back to right there, but I wake up six weeks later and I've been in a coma and I don't remember any of that. What happened? I don't remember. I just knew that something happened and I ended up in a coma and I woke up to my mom's face saying, do you know what happened to you? And I was like, am I in trouble? <laughs> I remember driving real fast. That's all I can remember. So um, I had a trachomany trach, one of those trachs, because I couldn't, I had pneumonia too at the time. I didn't know that. And um, I wouldn't stabilize, you know? And so I had these trach things. So when I finally got that out, I called my friend and he was like, you know, I'm glad you're okay, man. We've been worried about you. And he said, man, you got to tell me what happened. And I was like, well, you know what happened? He's like, no, no, no. When you, when they wheeled you down the floor, down the, to the surgery room. And I was like, they did surgery. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so he tells me what he heard. He said, he goes, you were, you, they were cutting your clothes off as they're wheeling you down. I heard you yelling out for your dad. Then you said, oh, my God, I see Satan. I'm with Satan. And you were screaming. And then he, he said, I heard you say, Jesus saved me. And he said, I felt like the whole hospital went silent. And as soon as he told me that, I just handed the phone to my mom. And the memories all flooded back. And I lost it. I couldn't even talk. And I just said, I can't, I can't talk. Was, and so my mom's like, well, some, something's upset. I'll have to call you back. Cause I'm still in hospital, you know? And she's like, what's wrong? And I mean, it took me a good hour and a half before I could even verbalize what I went through because I don't know if it was all the drugs stuff and just trying to, when I was coming to, <clears throat> but as soon as he said that, I remembered it to a T what happened. So now I'm going to go back up to what happened. So when they're running me down the hall, my dad had died a year ago, a year previous to this. And I knew that I was crossing over. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but I could feel, I could feel myself pulling out of myself, like trying to get out. It's kind of a weird experience. And my dad had passed away. So I'm like, okay, if I'm crossing over, man, where's my dad? Where's my dad? And my dad didn't show up. And um, so then when he said, I, I said, I, I'm with Satan. I see Satan and I was screaming. It took me right back to where I was at. And right after I was yelling for my dad, I went to this black void of nothingness. Right. And it was 
It was real cold, but it was cold from the inside coming out. So blankets, fire, or nothing that was going to warm me up. I was feeling cold internally. And um, everywhere I looked was this black, gooey sludge, like, like, like muck, like, and it had a real high, intense, negative feel to it. It was a real negative, like, it was, it, it took, take the world, all the world's negative emotions and just this yuck of the muck. And it was weighted on me, like, where it was just pushing me down, you know. And I was just like, oh my gosh. I, and I just knew that where I was at, this is not good. This is so not good. And I, I remember just getting enough energy to say, Jesus saved me. <laughs> and right when I did that, this little spark popped out right, like right here in the corner of my eye and, and my, all of my vision, it just, it went like, if you lit an end of uh, edge of a piece of notebook paper and you watch it go across, that's what it did. But it was a white light that just engulfed. And as it did that, it just totally warmed my spirit, warmed me and everything. And this feeling of like, Oh, thank God I made it. I'm safe. Like, I was like, and I didn't really know where I was at, but I was like, oh, oh God, I'm not, I just wasn't in that void anymore. And the, what I felt in that, that warmth was, it was all positive emotion. It was like love and compassion and security. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <clears throat> and I was cool where I was at. Then as I looked into the light, it went so far back. I mean, it went far, far back. And as you looked into it, I was seeing these colors that um, I can't tell you. I can't even explain the colors because I've never, there's nothing to compare them here. I can't say it's like a purple because it's not like a purple. I don't know what color it is. It's something that I've never seen before. But there was also, there were colors that were, from earthly colors, but there's these other colors that were really luminant and I can't even explain it. But as I was watching them, they're moving, kind of moving around. They were, I realized they were souls. They were people. They were like doing these things. And um, I can't explain it. Yeah, they were moving around. And as I looked at them, I realized these are people, but I don't recognize any of them. Right. And, um, but I felt like I knew them all and we, we made eye contact with these people. And here's one thing I can say is I was kind of, I won't, you couldn't look into this light with a, um, any kind of lustful eye. And everybody was on the same playing field. You wouldn't be able to be like that person's uh, like on a scale one to 10, that's a two and that's a 10. None of that. Every person was exactly the same, but completely different. It was the most beautiful thing I ever saw. And then I realized that's the spirit that we all have of us. It's that, you know, like a baby, a baby's just cute and beautiful, you know, and then we don't, I guess we don't get ugly till we get older. I don't know, <laughs> but that's what I was seeing was everybody's spirit as, as I feel as God intended it before the world lies to us 
and we beat ourselves down and we indulge and abuse and, you know, because the world lies so much. So when I, I saw that and I'm like, oh, my gosh, well, about right about that time, this other being came out from the light. And it was real tall. I'm six, five. And I looked up at this thing like this, <laughs> like, whoa. And it was just this light. It, it, it was like a piece of the light that came out, but it was kind of human formed. Okay. It was kind of like, um, but I couldn't see a face or any body parts. I could just see that silhouette, but it was white and very vibrant. I don't know if it was an angel or Jesus or God, or I don't know. Um, but as soon as I looked up at like this, um, now I should tell you too, my son was, I had, I have a son a little late in life, but he was just five years old. Um, he's eight now, but I, when I looked up there, I didn't see my life, but I saw my son's life real fast through my brain from start to end without me. And I just realized that all of a sudden I panicked and I just remember saying, don't take me yet. Please don't take me yet. I, I let me go back. And boom, next thing I know, I woke up and I've been in a coma for six weeks, <laughs> five and a half weeks. And um, it just, it, 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 it blew me away now. And, and, you know, this, this all happened before they had me on drugs. I was under the knife or any of that. This was all happening from the time they took me from the, the, from the uh, parking lot where we pulled up when they pulled me back there and was wheeling me down to the OR to do stuff. So um, it was, and that's when I was hearing them before I called out for my dad, that's when I really started. Cause I remember him hearing code blue, we've got a code blue, code blue. And I was hearing these, you know, they were, people were just running around and they were rushing me down and my clothes were getting cut off. And so I know I wasn't under anesthesia or nothing yet. Um, now when I was under anesthesia, I had a couple other weird things that happened, but I don't know what that was all about, but, <laughs> but this was, um, something that happened that was just, it was profound. And, um, I remember it like it happened yesterday. I remember it verbatim pretty much, you know, there's no, it's, it's just like an, uh, an actual life event memory, like a, my wedding or something, you know what I mean? That you just remember things. I actually almost remember this more clear, <laughs> but, um, that's that's pretty that's pretty much when and when I come out of it, um, I, I look at things a lot differently. I look at people differently. Um, I feel like I can see the inside of people, and it makes their outside look totally different to me. And it might have been just something I was just kind of super fit or shallow like that. I don't know, but um, just pretty cool. And um, I wasn't a real religious person um, before this happened. I will say this, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, I know where, where I was at. I know where I was. This, I, I went first. I don't want to go back there. And I know I called out one name and it changed everything for me <laughs> immediately. And um, I've been since then, um, I, 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 when I got out and I'll just say this too, you know, it was, 
I kind of went through after I, I, I had to learn how to, okay. So when I was in this um, coma, they didn't think I was going to make it. And so for five and a half, six weeks, everybody, it was, they were like, well, we made it through the surgery. The surgery was like an 11 hour surgery. And, um, and what, here's another weird thing that was kind of like God time or something. I just happened to go to the hospital that the only surgeon that is actually skilled enough to do this type of surgery happened to be doing a rotation at, at that hospital. He's normally at St. Luke's and this was at North Kansas city hospital and he had scrubbed out to go home. And cause this was, this was um, actually, you know, I got off late that, that night when we went out, we partied and went to the casino. When all this happened, this was like almost seven in the morning. We've been up all night. Okay. <laughs> so he had scrubbed out and they caught him right before when they, when he was like, going to be changing shifts and he scrubbed back in and came in and the, um, the head uh, cardiologist surgeon of, of that hospital, he came and visited me one time and he just said, I want to tell you, I wouldn't, I've been in a lot of surgeries and I've watched a lot of them, but Dr. Allen that did your surgery, I, he almost said, it was like he had divine intervention. He said, I've never seen someone move so quickly, eloquently and with such precise. And, you know, he used some doctor jargon that I don't really know, but it, it basically like he was the uh, master conductor of an orchestra that <laughs> pulled this thing together. And he's just like, you are so lucky, buddy. And um, so it, it was a true miracle. And so when I got it, when I got to go home, I had a, they, they, when, I, when I was still in the surgery or I was still in my coma, they told my family, you know, like they had to freeze my brain because I lost so much blood and they were just pumped me. My mom said she lost count. She has no clue how many transfusions I had. I doubt I had any of my actual blood. It's all, and now it is, but they so many transfusions because I lost so much. Um, and they said, we know we had to freeze his brain. He might come out not being able to talk or walk again, blah, blah, blah. And so it was really a try, trying time for everybody. And, but when I came out, I got my, my brain back and uh, I'm walking again. Um, I do have drop foot and some, some nerve damage. So I can't like run and jump and do all those things, but I'm with a cane, you know, I can still walk around and get around so and uh right now you know i'm they're watching me real close like because covid hit and everything i couldn't get my routine uh um checkups and um so i kind of i kind of got depressed because i would try to go back to work at the car lot of a year later and i couldn't compete with everybody and so I, I'm basically, I got done, I'm disabled right now, but um, <clears throat> in September, they thought it, they saw it was leaking again. And so they were like, you better not be, you better change your ways, you know, like quit smoking this, that, you know? And so I laid and prayed and prayed for two weeks in there. Like I felt like a real jerk because I was, I was saved. And then I took it for granted again. And so in September, man, I've, uh, I became a part of LifeGate church and, and, um, I helped, you know, 
up there and go to church and do prayer services, stuff like that. So my life's totally done a whole did 180 since all then. And um, people ask me, well, so you believe there's something after, after this life? Hands down, I believe it. 100%, I believe it. Um, the, you know, that's, that's, that's the best way I could put it. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. And I think that I was, when I was dying, I was living a pretty sinful self-centered life. You know, I just pretty much cared about me. Um, you know, I wasn't mean, but it was all about me and I didn't really realize that, <laughs> but I think I got that, uh, chance to really evaluate things. And, um, you know, I was bummed out about being, not being able to work. So I've always worked, but I had to raise my son, you know, and now I get this golden opportunity to be home with him, help him get through school, do things before I was always gone at work, you know, he would usually be in home and he'd be in bed by the time I got home and stuff. So um, I'm grateful for that. So, you know, that's pretty much my, uh, that's my, my, my whole experience of my near death experience. And, um, I've done a, I've, I got obsessed about it, um, when it first happened because I just, I, you know, I was so overwhelmed. Um, and I will say that when I was in my coma, there were some weird, I would worm tunnel at times and that might be the drugs. I don't know, but my dad did come to me and say some things that were really bizarre. You know, I don't know if I want to go into all that. I mean, I can, but you want to hear that? Well, let me ask you some things that I'm curious about, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, we'll see what, what, what kind of time we have left. But first, yeah. I want to say thank you so much for sharing that with me. You've had an amazing experience. And um, I want to go back to when you were seeing other beings, because I'm kind of not clear on that. You were seeing colors, and then you kind of said you were seeing other beings, like maybe other people there. Yeah. Were you seeing the other beings as, were they like, the shape of beings or are they like round orbs of colors or can you elaborate on that? Yes. And I'm glad you asked that because this is very interesting. What it started out. Okay. It started out as white light that as I looked into it, it almost looked like psychedelic, right? They were just, they were colors that were kind of moving, but it was like my eyes had to focus. And when my eyes focused, then they were became, they were people. And so I believe those were auras, you know, like the people have auras of different colors and some people can see them real easy and can't is their energy. And that's what I think it was. They did have human. They were human looking by all means. They had human faces and stuff. But at first when they were just all, and, and I, like I tell people, it looked like spirits that were in fellowship. And they were joyful and in rejoicing. Like, you know, I can't say they had their arms around each other singing Kumbaya. I don't know what they're doing, but <laughs> they looked very happy. And, and I made eye contact with them. And, you know, there was no words that were said, but I could feel what was being said. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Did you almost feel like you were them? I was a part of them. I think if I would have stepped into the other side, I would be with, I would be them as one. Interesting. I found it really interesting that you said life lies to us. I wanted to know more about that. Well, I feel like on earth, 
<clears throat> we get told lies. Like, okay, like, for example, what you think is beautiful, I might not think is beautiful. But we have these <sighs> almost evil sources that, you know, these magazines, how to lose weight, how to do this, how to get rid of the double chin, how to blah, 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 kill, you know, get rid of wrinkles, you know, look like you're 30 years younger, all that crap, you know. Age, I've realized, is what you do is it's you you exchange it for you exchange your youth for wisdom, basically. Mm-hmm. And when I say that people that it lies to you, what I'm talking about is like you know you can't pick up a magazine and you flip through these photoshopped people with six packs in the chest and all that, you know, I mean, I don't know how I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I don't ever, I'm not trying to ever cram my beliefs down my throat, but what I've experienced that God created everybody and everybody has their own individual beauty. Now, whether we tap into that and do something with it and show the world or something, it's kind of up to us, but we all have it. I don't care how snaggletooth, scarred up, beaten down, overweight, underweight, you know, cross-eyed. They don't matter because the true beauty is underneath the shell that we're walking around here in on Earth because that's temporary. What's inside is permanent. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can see that for most of my life, I always thought, Oh, the how 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 good looking my uh, significant other is on my arm is just how my social status and stuff and all those things and you know it's just not you know and beat myself down like oh you need to go to the gym or, you know it's nothing wrong with being healthy and feeling good but I'm just saying like you know there's so many people that you think about there's so many people that are have incredible voices that probably could be singing in, and I know there's overweight singers, but I'm just trying to say that, you know, there's the people that, that they just don't think you're good enough. The world tells you you're not good enough. And I believe everybody is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when you were there, did you feel like you were home? And if, and if so, not when you came back, did you feel homesick? Yes. And Yes. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, there hasn't been a day that I, that has gone by that I haven't thought about that place. And I almost was like, man, I don't want to screw it up this time. I, mean, I don't want to go to that first option I was at. Okay. I know that. And maybe that's just something we have to do to get over to the next one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've only had this one time. Mm-hmm. But I did feel home. I remember when I was pulled out of the darkness, I remember thinking, oh, I'm home. I'm, I'm safe. Home. It, it was kind of like, you know, imagine being at war and you're lost on, on the enemy's on the enemy's line and you're trying to get back across to, you know, you're across the line to your people. You know, I mean, what would those soldiers feel that they're trying to run back and retreat and get back to their their troops or whatever, you know, that, that would be like, ah, oh, my, I'm back. You know, that's how I can explain it, I guess. Would you say that that experience is possibly more real than this life? Like as if what we're living here is the dream and that's real or maybe the same? 
It's a good question, man. <laughs> That's a good one. I've, I've toyed with this. I mean, and, and, you know, and as time goes by, you know, I think that those worldly lies where you start tricking things to be like, maybe that wasn't this and that. When I first came out of it, it was, it was something that I'm, I get shook up a little bit when I think about it. <laughs> I don't know which, which you know, it, it very well could be that this is a dream and that's more real. I think this is the experience. It's, it, it's on a timeline. I think the other one, the other place is eternal for real. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. And here's something I can tell you something that I think was even crazier is for a brief moment, I remember, I remember thinking I felt like I've been here before. Hmm. So that might kind of explain, like, I think they're both real. Maybe that kind of ties into the feeling of being back home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So- yeah. Cause that was the first thought in my head when I got there was like, I'm, Oh, I'm home. I'm safe. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, you know. So you would say that this experience is not only is it not a memory that fades, but it's something that you just can't shake. Right. No, there's no shaking it. No shaking it at all. Right. Um, like I said, I've, I've told it several times. Um, there's little there's things that kind of, I have little flashbacks and sometimes it's not always good. Sometimes it's flashbacks and it's almost depressing. Wow. Well, I can tell you that recently I had a guest that went to the world very similar to you described. Mm -hmm. His and yours are the only one I've ever heard them described as being liquid like. Oh, with the sludgy glue goo. You know, he just keep, I, well, this other guest kind of said it was liquidish, you know, like a maybe oily or something, you know. Yeah, definitely. Have, okay, here's an here's an example. Have you seen Stranger Things? I've seen some of it. I didn't watch it all. Do you remember the part of the Upside Down? I only watched like the th- first three or four episodes. I don't know where that is. Yeah, I don't, it might not have got there yet. And I saw this after my event happened. So when I saw it, I was like, it's kind of like that. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, it, it was, yeah, it's like a, it's like a liquidy oil. That's the best way to put it, like a thick, thick oil, like a sludgy oil. Hmm, it's interesting. And with that sludge came a negative, like, like a polar, like the negative, like a negative energy, just this. Like um, you know that okay. Here's a perfect. I told people, you have you know you know on a roller coaster when you you go over that dip and then you go straight down and you hit that right at the down and you start to go back up when your whole body goes. Or you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. on a roller coaster or a hill. That's exactly that's that's that feeling you got where you're like oh I just my insides everything were going down. Wow. I'm glad that I like the way you put that. It's like, you know, it's like that G force is pulling against you. So it's like a heavy feeling way, very heavy. And and I was trying to think of the word and that's it. G force. Mm -hmm. The negative G force of that was almost unbearable (laughs) in many ways. Yes. I think it's great that, you know, for anybody who's listening, you know, 
even for me, hopefully I'll never be in that position, but it's a good thing to know that if you just say, Jesus, help me, most likely you'll get out of trouble. Yeah. I said, Jesus, save me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it matters if you say help or save. Me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny. It was, I was like, you know, I mean, we, I was growing up with some spiritual or some religious background stuff. I wasn't paying any attention to that. And I, I really, I was a very fair weathered, uh, you know, I mean, I just didn't make, was it real or not? Who knows? I don't know. But um, now I have a wholly different belief system. I mean, I, I, my, my, my belief in Christ is like very strong right now anymore. I mean, I just, I, I just, with me, I know. How did your friends react after you actually totally changed and became this, um, dis- and became this different person? A lot of people have, I've gotten a lot of compliments that I look better. I'm more happy. I'm cheerful. Um, I mean, and I don't feel that way because I, I you know, okay. Cause I can't exercise. I'm, I'm 49. So my metabolism is like, I'm not, so I have to be careful what I eat. Cause I'll start getting, that's what I'm thinking. It's how the world lies to you. But other people say, Oh, you're looking so, you look so good. You're so happy. You're always smiling, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're complaining. <laughs> I don't feel that way, but, but, um, but, a lot of people have reached out to me since then. A lot, a lot, a lot of people have. And just on my Facebook alone, I think it was, um, my story got shared was over 4,000 and 5,000 times. I don't even know what it was, but I had people contact me that I never talked to before. Um, just was asking questions. And, um, I, you know, in the hospital, my, when I first told my story after I, um, I talked to my friend and had that deal. I met this, um, a lady who was a mother and a daughter and their grandma, the grandmother was dying and she was in there and, um, they were just, we were just chatting and it was the first time I shared my story and, um, they both just ended up just bawling. And I was like, I didn't tell you to do that. I'm trying to make you cry. <laughs> but that just the part of the whole, the inner beauty of people. And then I, I don't know what exactly had happened. Her daughter was in MU college. And I think there were some things going on there and she was going through some stuff. Somehow my story had done help touched her in some kind of way. They came up two days later and, um, they're like, would you, they had a, she had a woman's um, group down at the college and they wanted me to come talk to her. And I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, um, but I was in the hospital at, at the time and I was like, as soon as I get better. And so um, that was in the, that was in the summer. So they had to get started. It would have been when they started back up in the school year again or something, but it was, it was several months later. And, um, I found that number because I, I, she wrote it down for me to call her when I was feeling healthy and I just came across it one day. And uh, so then I called and something happened with her daughter and she wasn't in the school anymore. She quit the school or I'm not sure exactly what happened. I didn't try to pry into it. 
but she was just like, I'm so happy you're doing good though. And all this, but I was like, okay. <laughs> but that was one of the first people that I, that I told the story to. And then I just shared it on Facebook. Cause I had so many people that were wondering what happened to me if I was, cause it was a shock, you know, I was completely fine one day. Um, matter of fact, you know, I had an old uh, friend that came in and bought a car for me and we took a picture. We're smiling, you know, cause I posted all my auto sales on Facebook and uh, then the next second, you know, I know, boom, you know, that's, uh, and that's how quick things can happen man, in life. That's another thing is like, um, I do not hesitate to tell somebody I love them, how much they mean to me. Um, and, and I really want to spend time with the people I really love. That's the main thing I can say. Um I, I'm going over my mom's 84 and I go see her every day, practically just because, you know, um, this is limited time. So, and I, I think we'll all be on the other side, but I don't know how, how we identify or I don't know how any of that works yet. So <laughs> have you noticed anything else about yourself psychologically or any kind of abilities or things that you think, well, maybe I can, maybe these there's some strange things happen to me, but no, I'm not sure about it. You know, some people say they become, you know, psychic or whatever after this. Have you noticed anything? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm a psychic. I can see people's auras differently. Mm-hmm. I, I feel the energy off people like a lot more heightened than I ever could before. Um, and um, sometimes I have the urge to tell people things like for no reason, like, you need to go tell this person, blah, 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 blah. And I, sometimes I do it. Sometimes they don't because I'm like, that's weird. Why would I even think that? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, I, you know, I mean, I think that's God, you know, used me. I think that um, I was spared for a couple of reasons. And um, that's why I got to come back. And um, I do have a strange... Uh, I have a yearning to understand God in my perspective. You know, I've, I've, I'm getting, I read the word, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to whatever this is out here, you know? Um, but I, I just have a strong feeling or uh, urge like to read scripture and stuff like that. It's weird. I was thinking more about that being that was really tall that you were looking up. Yeah. At. And yeah. you don't, you're not really quite clear if that was an angel or Jesus or what, right? I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, the best thing, I mean, all I know is it was very tall and it was very stretched. I'm like, like I said, I'm six, five. This thing was uh, probably nine, five or more. Wow. Cause I looks, I was looking up like that. <laughs> wow. It's interesting because, um, you're not the only guest that tells me that they'll see a being or beings that are really tall like that. Yeah. It's slender. Like there was a slender being. It was, it was weird, but I couldn't make out any face. It was almost too bright to see a face. Hmm. Hmm. Pretty oh. interesting. All right. You mentioned <laughs> earlier that you, um, you, you had some dreams while you were in your coma due to the drugs, but then some that you felt like were not due to the drugs. You want to tell us about those? Yeah. And, and here's the interesting, there's things that were going on. I feel like some of them were asked. Do you, I don't know if you believe in astroplaning. Astro you know, what? Astroplaning. 
like astral traveling or something. Yeah, like where your spirit can go to other dimensions mm-hmm. or times. Mm-hmm. So, because there was dreams too, and I'll explain the difference. So, my first astroplaning was I remember there was I was going through these lights, and it was like whoa, 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 whoa. Man, I was worm tunneling basically, and uh, and hold on, I'm on a meeting. Uh, you have to come back. Come back in just a second. Um, I was worm tunneling. <laughs> I was worm tunneling right through these things. And um, all of a sudden, I'm like, and this is really interesting, too. This was weird about it. All of a sudden, I'm like, boom. And um, I was downtown Kansas City. And I was in one of these old homes. And um, I was, like, in this apartment. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, Look at the furniture, and it's got it's like that um, old green um, appliance color. You know, like the refrigerator was like that pea green, and then there was stuff that was kind of like that uh, um, pastel yellow and stuff. Chairs and stuff. It was real retro looking of like fifties, and I'm like, that's weird. And I look over, and um, there's this guy in these jeans, and he has a t-shirt on. And he has black hair and he's packing this suitcase. And I'm like, where the hell am I? And all of a sudden this guy said, um, well, Darren James, you did it again. And I was like, dad. And I thought it was my dad. And me and my dad, we had some issues when we were growing up and stuff. And I don't know, but he was like, he turns around and my dad, he's like 25. I never even saw him at that age. He didn't have me till he was 35, but he's like young, like a real young guy. And I'm like, Whoa. And he was like, yep. You scared the crap out of your mother again. And he was like, when are you going to stop doing that? And I was like, Oh man, I, I know, man, I'm, I'm sorry. And he was like, Oh, bull, you know, bull BS. <laughs> but he didn't say that. He, he said, I'll tell you what the issue is. Darren does whatever Darren wants, whenever Darren feels like it and doesn't worry about consequences. And I said, so I want you to get yours together, go back and raise that kid and love that woman and be a man. Like I told you how to be. Now your dad's got to go. And he shut the suitcase and walked out and just left me there. And I'm like, Whoa. And so then, then I went right back into another worm, worm tunnel. Right. Now, what's weird about what I just told you right there is when I came out of my coma, those I had, that was one of the first memories I had of like, man, I, cause there was like, mom was asking me, you know, you, you died, you know, for a second and all this. And, um, did you see your dad? <laughs> and I got to tell her, I was like, man, mom, this is what happened. <clears throat> and so when I told her that she was just like, we're at downtown Kansas city. Now, I knew that they met down here, and I was like, over off 24 Highway and around this area. And, you know, honestly, I didn't know. I, I didn't know where they really met. And I knew they met at a roller rink, but I didn't know which one. And she was like, oh, my gosh, do you remember what the house looked like? So I told her it was a you know, white house, pillars. There's two apartments, one on the left, one on the right. In the back of it, there was one on the left, on the right. And then on the uh, you went up the flight of stairs and they were like that up there too. It was kind of like that. <clears throat> and she was like, 
that's where your dad lived. And I told her which apartment it was on the, if you're facing the, uh, you're facing the, the, the apartment, the house, it was the one on the left, lower bottom. And she about freaked because she was like, that sounds exactly like the place that I met your dad. And he was living with his friend, Bob, right before he went to the army. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> that's weird. And so then when I, <clears throat> I warm tunnel again, right. And this time, I'm flying through these colors and all of a sudden, and this is another weird one. It's kind of strange. I'm worm tunnel through that and I end up and I'm in a, um, I'm here. I'm like, when I land, I'm like in this uh, foxhole. Right. And I'm hearing all this (laughs) people's no, it was not like, I was hearing more like, like, like the guns of the, the of like the Gatlin guns and and battle screams. That's what it was. And um, I could hear someone screaming like, and oh yeah, I could smell. And I've never been to war, so I don't even know. <clears throat> but I could smell burnt flesh and like burnt hair, and I could hear people screaming and yelling. And I remember the sky being like this yellowy orange color, and it would was changing. And I was in this foxhole. And I look over and there's these two guys and they're in these ripped up, uh, you know, fatigues or what are they called? The fatigues, the quote, the, but it's like revolutionary or civil war looking, you know, and they're all torn up. Like they've been out there for a while. And there's this guy and he's got this musket and he'll pop up out of the thing. And he's like, boom. And I'm like, what is going on? And this guy hits me and he's like, boy, you better grab one of these muskets. You're going to get your head blown off. And it was my dad again. And I look over and my older brother is right down there by him. And he's like heating up lead in a spoon and then putting it in this water and making lead balls and stacking them. And then my dad will grab one of these balls and put it in there. And, and I'm like, what in the heck is going And then I warm tunnel again out of that. And um, next thing I know, uh, th- those were the two main worm telling things I did. And I remember those things and it was, it, but it was so real. And, um, a year, like the two years after this thing, I was on 4th of July, we were at a 4th of July party and I had a, a PTSD mo- moment from that deal because of all the fireworks that were going off in the sky and stuff. And it sent me into a panic attack. And like, I, I started freaking out and I had to get the heck out of there and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> but then there was the dreams from the anesthesia, when I'm in the coma and all that stuff where I thought the aliens were trying to, um, where they were trying to do experiments on me. And I thought I was in some twisted hospital that was, I, I guess I woke up once and they tried to wake me up one time and told my brother to come here. And I was like, you got to get me out of here. I thought they were trying to suck my bone marrow out to make protein drinks. <laughs> He's like, no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> like, get me out of here. <laughs> and, and I thought they were turning me into a cow at one point. Like one of the dreams I was like, well, this really did happen. <clears throat> when they tried to wake me up, I was so confused. I was real violent. And they, when I woke up and they had me tied down. Right. And, um, one moment, so they would wake me up and quit it. Okay, they wake me up, and uh, the ladies on this side, she unties this arm first. She's like, Now, are you going to behave? And I'm like, 
uh-huh. I got all this stuff. Uh-huh. And so she unties this arm and then she leans over me this way to untie this arm. And I reached up and I grabbed her and I threw her in her head locked and I've got her locked down. And I'm like, get me out of here and stuff. And she's screaming for security. <laughs> and so they, they knock me out. Well, then I went right into a dream and I thought that in the dream she comes and she's like, you're right. They're, they're trying to take your bone marrow or something like that. She gets me outside and I'm outside and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm in my old neighborhood and I'm walking around and I can hear a horse following me around and I look down and I got hairy legs, feel my head and I got these horns and I thought they were turning me into a cow. <laughs> so that's, that's the dream part. Okay. That's the corny dream stuff that went along. Right. But the other stuff was very orderly and precise. And that's where I, I get kind of like, there's a difference between the two. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder if those were past lives and maybe you're, you know, some people will talk about that they they have soul groups and they keep reincarnating together. So maybe you and your brother and your father had been in a war together, literally. I can believe that. You know, we had a family business together, all three of us. Um, it, I'm, I'm the youngest. It was my, bro- my dad and then my brother. And then there's a sister between us. But yeah, and I, I definitely could feel that way. And I felt like I was... I felt like I, you know, my, when my dad got called to the army, he was living down down at the place right where they got when they first met and uh, they got married. He was at that apartment, and she was like, "I bet you anything that, that it, it sounds just like where he was at before they they got drafted to the army." Hmm. He was in the army with Elvis Presley. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, so it was yeah. Korean War time. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, post it was they were in Germany together. They actually walked the uh they were perimeter guard watch together. So they when they put up the barracks and stuff over in Germany, they would do the guard walks and walk around the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'd march together to in twos, or sometimes if they were just doing single single marches, they would just they cross the path. Yeah, my dad told me this not to get off subject, but mm-hmm. he was like, You got it my dad had black hair too. And uh, he kind of had a kind of an Elvis look, I guess. But he was like, you got to remember, back then, people didn't have the uh, TVs and stuff. The women just had album covers. And you get a bunch of guys, you got black hair and your head shaved over there in Germany. They thought we were all Elvis. (laughs) And he said he couldn't speak Germany. And he'd go to these pubs and they would be like, Elvis, Elvis. And he said, I got started trying to tell him I'm not Elvis. So he goes, Heck, after a bit, I just started signing Elvis Presley. I don't know how many things I signed Elvis Presley. He said, I just hope, was hoping nobody showed up with a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Did your dad develop a friendship with Elvis? Um, Kind of, but my, my dad's kind of, a, he was an alpha guy. Just because Elvis was who he was, he was like, it ain't nothing to me, you know, but he was okay with him. He was his, they were, they were in the same platoon or whatever, so they had to have that kind of bond to have each other back, you know, and stuff. But, you know, he had a few pictures of him. He was in GI blues, the movie. That's just an extra. Oh wow! Yeah. I just see, he has a couple of shots of him, like getting on a train and then one shot of a, he's in a home, like a malt shop or something like a restaurant or something. I forgot, but it's real quick. You can't even pick out which one it is. You know, he's just one of those guys that were filled in, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that your share, your story had been shared on Facebook many, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So are you a public or private person? And what I mean by that is if people, you know, after this podcast, you know, find you on Facebook, are you, and reach out to you, do you, do you, do you chat with them or are you more private? I've been private about it. I mean, I don't even know if it, I put it, you know, I, I just, I, I mean, I've been on Facebook for a long time, but I haven't really paid attention to all the ins and outs. So I didn't realize that you could do just to share with friends and just or public and all that. So I didn't go back to my video. And I mean, I, if, because I had my stuff, my settings set on just share with friends. But then they would, I guess, pass it around and stuff. And I had it on a YouTube on my where I had all my car videos on YouTube. I posted it and it had quite a few shares. Mm-hmm. And if you go to like YouTube, my YouTube, Darren Schinnerberger, it's on there. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Great. But, I was going to ask what that is. That's so YouTube, your channel is Darren Schinnerberger. Yeah. Yeah. Just under my name. Uh, when I sold cars, I would make videos about different cars, you know, and then email it to my customers. So that's how that channel kind of started. Mm-hmm. And so I put it on the Facebook I, or YouTube. I didn't really know how to publish myself or nothing like that. So, mm-hmm. but I've had, I went to some places and I've, I've done it publicly, like speech at a couple of churches and little things like that about stuff, you know. Besides the physical things that you're dealing with, are there any other after effects from the experience? Um, man, I have, I do have a little bit of PTD, PTSD, and um, I've noticed I, I've never had it before. But like, I have like bouts of depression. Mm. Um, I haven't got on any medicine for it or nothing, and I just try to fight through it. And, but, and then sometimes I'm 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 kind of up on a good plateau, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'll go back, you know, and it's it's. And it's not like a monthly cycle. It's like a, a three, four, five month cycle of things. Hmm. Almost maybe kind of in seasonal. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else besides your YouTube channel that I can promote for you? You know, Facebook, YouTube. Can I sell a, help you sell a car? I'm not doing it anymore. You know, I mean... <laughs> I, I, you wouldn't believe how much business I got to sell cars afterwards, but I'm like, I can't believe this has brought all that kind of business. Cause people was like, I watched your, your, my so-and-so sent me the, your video you shared, blah, blah, blah. You still selling cars. I mean, they've asked me about my, my experience, but then they're like, my cousin's trying to buy a car. I'm like, I don't, I'm not doing that anymore, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I am, I am, I would like to, there's, um, you know, this is just, there's a whole lot of, um, story i mean i shared i shared my my nde experience but there's a lot of experience from me pre that just on a journey that i would like you know i thought about books or something you know too because um and you know like we're alive and on spot working here there's a lot of like in-depth aha moments that i have about things mm-hmm. you know that um uh, which I, I should write down more. And I do have some that I keep in a little journal <clears throat> of little things that just, uh, just this little aha moments on life. And, um, you know, what, what, what to expect. I mean, you know, the, it just, it doesn't make sense for, I, I don't, so this didn't all just happen or not just accidents. That's my best. That's the biggest thing I can say. I truly pulled out of this. None of us are just accidents. Mm-hmm. 
and this earth isn't an accident, you know, um, mathematically, it, it, it doesn't add up. It, it, it's, it's easier to prove that it's creation than to prove that it's not <laughs> that on the science side of it. That's just the facts, you know? All right. Well, before we wrap it up here, is there one last message that you'd like to share with the audience? Yes. One last message is I'll find your inner beauty, own it, and do what God intended you would to do with it. And don't let the world tell you anything less than you are perfect. You are nobody's perfect but you're perfect in certain ways. Grab what you're perfect at and, and run with it because you're not made out of junk. You know what I mean? And there's that spirit inside people. When you leave this body, it, it, it's that, that it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And while we're here on earth, even when we are in this body, if you don't pollute that spirit or you don't, and you learn how to kindle that spirit, it can shine the whole world. And that's what I, I truly feel. It's fantastic. Thank you for that message. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, Darren, I really appreciate you. And um, I wish you the best. Have a great okay. evening, bud. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. And like I said, stay in touch. If you got any other things or, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> and if, I'm in, if I'm in Kansas City ever, I'm going to look you up. Do it. Do it. I can show you the best things of this town. I've been here all my life. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, brother. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.